0: Well, it's great to be at the rock, the rock, building our lives on the rock, and uh, not sinking sand. It tends to shift, and uh, when you need something to rely on, you don't want stuff that's shifting around, that's getting ready to fall over, amen? But it's great to be back here with uh, you as a family. I consider this one of my um, covenant relationships that the Lord's given to me, and, uh, and I've been preaching here for the last four, four years, I think. I've actually known Greg for about five years. Uh, We used to meet in a uh, pastor's group together where there were pastors from all over New Zealand, just a small group of pastors, and uh, it was a great time. But uh, as you probably are already aware, there is something new that God is doing in his body globally. And I was hit with this reality A number of you would remember my visit here last year. Actually, it was was quite amusing. I brought a message called Five Seismic Shifts that are happening in the church, and two days later you had a massive earthquake in Wellington. I kind of thought, Lord, I hope I didn't bring that. Um, But I've become aware of some fairly major upheavals that have been going on globally in the body of Christ. And uh, if your heartbeat is linked with the heartbeat of God, then you will be picking things up as well that there are some things that God is needing to bring major adjustment on. And the reason for that is that we are religious people. Religion simply means a regular habit of doing something. So if you're religious at cleaning your shoes, every Monday you'll get the polish out, you'll clean them up and get them ready for work, and you'll feel like there's something missing if you don't clean your shoes on Monday morning because you've become religious about it. And what is going on and what has been happening globally in the church, you know, God asked my wife and I uh, just a little over a year ago to move out of the megachurch uh, system. And there's, I've got lots of brothers and sisters around the world that are serving the Lord inside some great churches. Uh, but I became aware that the Holy Spirit was beginning to trumpet a cry to the body of Christ about moving from religion to relationship, of bringing back a connection that has been dramatically lost through a religious system that's set up and designed for bottoms to fill seats to put on a show and for you to take your part and for me to take my part but in which your hearts remain love-starved of a living connection with your Heavenly Father that God has so designed each and every human heart for the Spirit of God to inhabit and dwell in your life in such a way that you have a direct access to the Father. So instead of running off here, there, and everywhere else, the first person you go to is Him in order to receive His life-giving counsel into your being because those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. So the defining definition of sonship and daughtership is a relationship and a life that is willing to be led personally between you and your Lord. We're a direct connection that is living and active that's sharper than any two-edged sword, that divides asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, the very thoughts and intents of your heart are discerned because of the relationship with God's Word and with His Spirit that you carry in your heart. It's no longer, you can no longer fit into a religious system when you discover relationship as it's intended to be with Jesus and the Father by the Spirit walking this life of faith with power that's emanating out of you because of a baptism of the Spirit and fire. And as I was uh, in the worship this morning, you know, when you go to minister somewhere, you've actually got to put aside your uh, desire to enter in and to enjoy what God's doing. They're saying, Holy Spirit, what's happening here? And God gave me an immediate picture in the worship this morning of what's going on in this church. And I can't remember the name of the tree, but you can Google it later because Google knows everything. (laughs) And Google will tell you that there's a certain type of tree that can't reproduce except every now and again it goes through a great bushfire. And it's the intensity of the flames that actually crack open the seed in order for the seed to take root and to begin to multiply again. And except that tree goes through the intensity of the fire, it cannot multiply and it cannot reproduce. And the rock has been going through the fire. Now listen, it's a fire that's directed by God. It's a fire that is Jesus is Lord over, because if some of you don't remember this, John the Baptist promised a baptism of fire for every believer. That means there's stuff in you that's never going to multiply and open up in your life except you are willing to submit to the flames of God's directed fire that have been brought around about your life you know Peter said it like this he said don't be overly concerned about the trials and the fiery trials that you're going through because those things are going to begin to produce stuff in you that you would never ever experience except you are prepared to go through the fire We love water baptism we love being baptized in the spirit opening to access to them the beautiful nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge, prophecy, discernment, all those beautiful gifts of the Spirit, friends. But I tell you what, you come to a place in your life as a son and a daughter of God where you're not actually saying, no more fire, no more fire. You're actually saying, God, I want the fire because I want to be a true mature son and daughter Of the King of Kings, and I know you can't do things in me and through me unless I embrace the fire of God. I tell you, the last few years, man, the flames have been licking around my life. And God will always give you a breather in the middle of it. He'll always give you standing room where you can recollect yourself, where you can, where you can shake off the ashes that the flames have brought around about your life. And in the process, you can prepare your heart to the place where you're actually saying, God, I welcome the fiery trials into my life because I know I'll never be and never fulfill the true destiny of God over my life unless I'm prepared to do so. So the rock is going through the fire. Now guess what? The rock is one of many thousands of churches around the world that are going through the fire right now. And I want to tell you why. God wants to burn up religion. God wants to destroy anything that would stand in the way between you and him from experiencing the fullness of the life of his son. And some religious systems will do exactly that. You can turn up, you can act out, you can do the doings, but you can walk away unchanged, disconnected, and completely the blind leading the blind because there's no leadership of the Holy Spirit happening because everybody's disconnected. Friends, you know, Jesus said it like this. His disciples were eating and drinking. They were having fun. They were partying. And the religious body of the day came to Jesus and confronted him and said, We pray and fast. While you eat and drink and have all this fun. It's been English Pharisee. <laughs> yeah. from, from Liverpool, I think. <laughs> You'll never walk alone, Lord. Scalzi (laughs) And Jesus said Look Don't you understand When the bridegroom's here The bride's going to rejoice And celebrate And then he said this to them Listen to this He said this If you remain in the current state that you're living in, this is a paraphrase, your religion is like a stiff, starchy wineskin that I can no longer move through because I've got some new stuff. I've got some new stuff, the new wine that I'm about to pour out on planet Earth but I can't put it into your containers. I can't put it into your religious system because if I do, it's just going to rip open and it's going to spill out and it's all going to be wasted. So therefore, you've got to get rid of the old wineskin. That's the reason why we have the fire to destroy anything that's going to cause you to be disconnected from God. And if you're prepared to take on a new skin, If you're prepared to even renew. You know, in in, in Israel, what they did was to to save money, they would actually get an old wineskin and then they would work oil into it because it was stiff and it it was ready to break and they would renew it by rubbing oil in. Oil speaks of the ministry of the Spirit, that the ministry of the Spirit can renew an old skin, but you've got to be prepared to allow the Lord to massage it into your life. And he said, when that is ready, I'm going to pour out new wine. He said, what you see happening with my disciples, this is the new wine that the Bible promises. And so to summarize it in one sentence, it's simply this. You can't be receivers of what God is about to do and the new that he's about to do unless you're prepared to get renewed or forsake religious systems in order to come into relationship with God that will far surpass anything that you have experienced in your life in the past. I tell you, it's exciting times when the church of Jesus Christ wakes up to the responsibility of each believer realizing they have a direct responsibility from God to be led by Him through a person, one-to-one relationship with God, I tell you, the world's about to change. And what I have in my heart to bring to you today, it's a very simple message, but it's one if the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you personally while I'm speaking this morning, then I want to encourage you today to get some fresh courage Because this message that God laid on my heart that was actually formed in me right from a young Christian and has evolved over a period of time where the Holy Spirit's come back and revisited me again and again in regard to what I'm going to share with you today. It has the capability and the capacity to bring you into an absolutely brand new place in your relationship with God if you should choose. So we're going to pray. Father, today I pray that, Lord, as we sit here, we are the sum total of all of life's experiences, the families we were raised in, the schools we were educated in, the friends that we joined and connected with, our family members, our parents, our grandparents, our brothers and sisters. And Lord, we sit here today, know that we are the sum total of all of our experiences here, and yet there remains more from you toward us. And I pray that the calluses of life that we bear may make room today for the new wine to come and be poured into our lives to remove the old in order to make new for the new. So give us ears to hear, give us a heart to understand, and give us courage to respond. To you today we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I want to share with you today, I want to talk to you about the Father, Father God, Abba God, Daddy. Whatever terms you understand them to be, many of us from a conservative world find it very difficult to use those words, Daddy. We're much more comfortable with Father and our lives for various reasons. But I want to prove to you from Scripture that there is a connection to be discovered with your Heavenly Father today that many, many Christians have not yet accessed and God is desiring us to do so. Because without it, we're going to fall short. John 15 verse 9. <clears throat> Jesus has been speaking about a supernatural union. The union that biologically is so close, it's hard to describe, but it goes like this. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Many many people misquote that. I'm, they say, I'm the vine. And you are the branches. Let me tell you, there are many, many vines that are contending for you to be grafted into that are counterfeits that don't possess the reality of the set and the life and the flow of the Holy Spirit's power and love within your life. And that's why Jesus prefaced this parable by saying, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He's going to tend to you. He's going to look after you. He's going to look out for you. He's going to be over you. He's going to be in you. He's going to be through you. And he said, you're like a branch that's grafted into this vine. And when you're connected, there is this life flow that happens from him, from the vine, Jesus, down into your life. And then he hits the nail on the head and he comes to verse 9 and he says this. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, that word means remain, don't run away. Remain connected, anchored, stay still, plunge deep. Abide in my love. Here's a paraphrase of what I've just said. Everything that you see from me, Jesus said, all the supernatural activity, the miracles, the compassion. Jesus was often moved with compassion as he saw the people like sheep without a shepherd. All this God activity that you see doesn't come from me. It comes from the Father in me. So, in other words, the definition of all bona fide true ministry is this a direct result of this connecting with Father and His love inside of me that then flows out from me to the world. That is what real ministry is. We often think that real ministry is just miracles, signs and wonders, healings. We think that's real ministry. You no, know, friends, that's the result of what Jesus just said. All of that stuff flows out of father's relationship and his kids. If it works for Jesus, I think it might work for me and you. There is no shortcuts to this, friends. But in a moment, I'm going to share with you the problem with this theology. Because there are some issues with it. This is the truth. This is the truth, but it presents some problems not. And that the theology is incorrect, but it presents some problems for us experientially as children of God. Are we all still here? Paul, previously known as Saul, was raised in a religious system. Now listen to this. Listen, some of you sitting here today have been killed by religion. It's nearly killed you. Chewed you up and spat you out. Paul, the great apostle, had an incredible heart for God. He was zealous. I know many world religions that are zealous. He was passionate. He believed that what he was doing was right. And everywhere he went, he preached his message of religion. But guess what? His religion didn't teach him how to love. It taught him how to kill. He was standing there at Stephen's death, giving permission for those final stones to be thrown at Stephen when he was martyred as a believer who was filled with the Spirit, who had been baptized in the fire, and was prepared to lay down his life for his brothers and sisters. Now Paul went through an incredible transformation in his life and he came through a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Many of you have had one of these. I had one that changed my life. But he began to discover this was a partial revelation within his life. And he came to the understanding, and I'll quote you his words, that it's not all about power ministry. That's not the focus and that's not the goal of what we are all about. And this is what he said. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Do you know how annoying that is? (laughs) Clang, 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 clang. clang. (laughs) Imagine having that going on around you all day, every day. He's making a point, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now this year is my twenty, our 26th year of full-time ministry. And over 26 years of being at the grassroots of the church in New Zealand, I've seen lots of fads come and go. And uh, we seem for some reason to be a sucker for fads. Whatever's going through the church, we'll just send it down to New Zealand and they'll take it on board and i've seen the swings and the roundabouts go on in the life of our precious beautiful church and the people of god in new zealand and one of the emerging trends that i that that we that we were part of ourselves was that we were part of the vision driven church now rightly so you quote proverbs 29:18 to me without a vision the people perish Another translation says, without ongoing revelation, the people walk astray. We all need ongoing revelation into our heart. But friends, listen, if you are a body of people and you are being driven by a task orientated spirit that has no love, that is a Pharaoh ruling spirit, more bricks, less straw, get on with it. You're just another number. You're just, you just—you don't have a name. You come here. You pay your tithes. You do this because I have a vision, and we become driven in a system to fulfill a certain set of goals. But in the midst of it all, love is vaporized. It's disappeared. I don't know where it's gone. And everybody's busy running here, running there. There's lots of activity, but there is no love. And then we just get burned out, bitter, disappointed, hurt. And we slip out the back door of the church. Now, do we need a vision as a, as a church? As a group of people Of course we do You know we have vanilla We have goody gum chops We have hokey pokey We have all these beautiful flavoured churches And they're, they're, they're hokey pokey Because God's given them a hokey pokey vision And that's cool Just because you've got goody gumdrops and I've got hokey pokey doesn't mean that I'm better than you. It's just that we've got different tastes, we've got different visions and that's why God raises the church up because they do have a different vision. But if that vision is driven and the whip is out and the people have been beaten mercilessly week after week in order to fulfill the vision of the house, then friends, we've lost the plot. And I believe in these last days. That the new wine of the Father's love, the same love that Jesus operated under, as the Father has loved me, so I'm loving you. In other words, I'm not trying to do this ministry thing with all my own gifts. I'm doing it because I've had an encounter with the Father. I'm doing this because the Father, He is my motivating power within my life and He is unconditional love. And He is love poured out within my life that has the ability that whatever I touch and move amongst has the ability to be so attractive, it changes people's lives. You see... Vision driven without love just turns into religion eventually, and it just gets there so many. And our new church, church that we church, our new church that we started, just over a year ago, already we're coming across in the community Christians that have just... they love God, but they hate the church. This shouldn't be. But it's because we've we've held on to an old wineskin of religion that doesn't leak any love. It just leaks rules, regulations. You must do this. You must do that. Law, law, law. Instead of the love, the grace, the mercy, and the love of God the Father. You know, friends, it's easy for us to have beautiful holy huddles Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright because we're in this group and everybody loves one another and nobody else wants to do what won't hurt another. Friends, Jesus said, it's easy to love those that can love you in return. He said, you're no better off than the tax collectors. But he said, to love people that can't love you back, that's the ultimate acid test of the love of God operating within the church. Wow. So in other words, my litmus test of how I'm doing is when I go to offer people his love and they spurn me and they reject me. They despise me. They mock me. They persecute me. Sometimes even your own flesh and blood. The real acid test of love is when you're confronted and spurned by rejection do you still have something to give or are you slamming the door saying I'm out of here because true love goes the second mile, the third mile the fourth mile will continue to walk with you even though I don't agree with what's happening in your world I will stand by you because that's what love does. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We all know that some people are just a pain in the butt. Ask Danny. Ask Viv, my wife. They're married to people at the times that are just a total pain in the butt. but they don't walk out on us. They hang in there with us because they've seen something of what the Father can do in us in some future appointed time. And until then, there's this thing called patience and forbearance that will cause them to hang in. But friends, when we don't have that love, that's when we begin to realize we can't actually carry out the great commandment to love God and love one another and the great commission if we're not carriers of the Father's love. We come up short all the time. So there's a love vacuum that is present in our lives. I won't say in the church because when I say in the church, everybody always thinks it's somebody else, it's not me. But in our lives, there is a vacuum that that causes us to come up short. And I know this one thing. You see, friends, how can it, how can we be a cutting edge, a cutting edge church if the main ingredient that was supposed to motor our engines and power us is absolutely vacant from the life of the church? We just become a machine with cogs. But there is no love. There's no connection with God. We're just doing the business. We're setting our KPIs, our key performance indicators, and we're monitoring how this is going and that's going. We need to put something else here, another ministry there, more people there. Let's herd them all over here. Let's herd them back here. And it's just a machine that's absolutely absent with the Father's love. I want to take you to three verses that have changed my life in the last little while. And I've read these verses over and over again as a Christian. But you know what it's like when God brings fresh revelation to your life? It's like they are in large, bold letters and they're blinking back at you. John 17, verse 24, down to verse 26. Here we go. I'm sorry I had to build a bit of a platform for all of that so you know where I'm coming from and so you know where we're going to land this this morning because God wants to minister to a number of us today with his love John 17:24 Father I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am Jesus desire is not that we're floating out there somewhere disconnected from him but father that they may be with me that where I am my people are right there right next to me That they may behold my glory, which you, who's he talking about? The Father. The glory the Father has given to the Son, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. O righteous Father, the world has not known you. Right there's the problem. Right there's the problem. But I have, praise God. Jesus said, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I love this last verse. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. For what purpose, friends? Here's the purpose of Jesus' ministry. Here is the mission of Jesus' ministry on the earth. That the love with which you loved me may be in them. And I in them. The love of the Father and the Son may be in us operating real, touchable, experiential, operating on a daily basis. Not theology, not theory, not rules, not commandments, not regulations, but the love of the Father may be operating in the heart of every believer that follows Jesus Christ. Friends, We've got to ask ourselves the question today, is that love really operating in me? In other words, it leads to another question. Is it possible for me to know Jesus but not know the love of the Father? And I want to tell you it is possible because that's what happened in my life. And I want to just give you a short testimony of what God did in me. I came to the Lord just before I turned 20 years of age. I came from two parents that loved us as kids, four kids in the family. They loved us, but they didn't know the Lord. And they had their issues that they had no way of fixing. So we were raised knowing that their hearts, they really loved us as kids. But because of the junk that was operating within their own lives, They didn't know how to fix their problems. So we just watched on with their problems full in our face. And before long, there was all sorts of things going on inside the house. There was a lot of alcohol that was drunken. And there was other behavior that led to domestic violence. And we were watching on while this was all taking place until it finally exploded through multiple affairs well, us as kids, knowing that we loved our mom, that we loved our dad but, dad, but somehow there wasn't something that was able to break through and connect us and hold us together. So what do you do when you're having problems? Of course, you ship your kids off to boarding school. So at the age of 11 years old, I went to boarding school. I left home at the age of 11 because that's what you do when you go to boarding school. So I didn't have a father at school. I had instructors and housemasters that are instructed to keep you in line. That's what their job is, keep you in line. I had the camaraderie of my brothers, my mates at school. But the absence of a father was very, very obvious. And so right from that day, I completely disconnected from my own earthly father from a very young age and became extraordinarily independent a bubble around me existing in my own world. So when I came to Christ after my own issues of substance abuse and addictions, when I had a revelation from Jesus of the fact that he was real, and I got born from above, a second birth, I got born again by the Spirit of God. The wind blows. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going to, but all those that are born of the Spirit experience the power of the wind of God and I experienced the power of a life-changing uh, encounter with Jesus. And that's pretty standard for many of us today. And then I had this incredible experience and I won't go into all of it today where God directed me to shift my roots, go back to where my family was. My dad was living with his partner and I began to go and share what little I knew about Jesus with my family. All of my family. Because we just exploded to different parts of the world. We were all over the place. So I began to share what God had done within my life. And then one day I had an incredible experience where the burden of God came upon me and I ended up in this intercession experience that lasted for two to three hours. And I was a sobbing, absolute mess on the floor, not everywhere, but I'd encountered God in a way that actually, in the experience, at the end of it, the Holy Spirit said to me, this night, your Father is going to give us life to me. Before the event happened, the next day I got a phone call and he rang me and he said, you'll never believe what's happened, I've given my heart to Jesus. And that came through a personal encounter with the love of God, where God was able to channel his resources through my life to pray and intercede my Father into the kingdom. So there was more than just me now. I had a, I had an ally. But you see, what had happened was our relationship was still as it was. Even though he'd come to the Lord and I'd come to the Lord, there was a lot of stuff that had been unspoken. Don't you even go there. Now listen to this, because I'm going to have to short-circuit all of this this morning. If I had two weeks with you, I'd extrapolate this a little bit more but I'll cut to the chase. I was in a meeting. We were doing outreaches in Shannon. Anyone know where Shannon is? Awesome. We were on the Mirai in Shannon. And we set up this big tent, and we were doing tent meetings. And my father and his partner came down to the tent meetings, and I'm sitting in the front row trying to focus on the Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me And he said to me, your father's in the meeting. Turned around, there he was with his partner, down the back. And he said to me, I want you to go and apologize to your father for not being a true son to him. What about him not being a father to me? What about, and I began all these excuses and all this well of, of, of overwhelming uh, rhetoric began to well up within my spirit as I began to argue with the Holy Spirit and saying, wait a minute, you want me to apologize to him for not being a true son? What about him not being a good father to me? And I entered into this debate. No matter how tricky I got with my words, you can never out-debate the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit just leaned in on me further. So I went down the back of the meeting and I went to my dad. And I sat down next to him. I said, Dad, I'm really sorry that I haven't been a proper son to you. He turned around and he began to sob. And we stood up and he was a big man and he embraced me and he just couldn't stop sobbing. And you see, friends, I was already a Christian. I was already leading people to Christ. I had a great relationship with Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. I love you, Jesus. Wherever I go, you're with me. But there was no mention of the Father in my life. And there was no mention of the Father in my life because I cut myself off from being a son to my own father. And I could no longer relate. I couldn't relate to Father in the way that God desired me to because I have closed down my heart from any relationship with a father because of what happened in my family and it impacts us, friends. It impinges upon our ability to know and understand and even receive Father God's love because we've closed ourselves off as sons and daughters to our earthly fathers. Wow. <sighs> Something began to open in my life from that day forward where I began this journey of discovering my heavenly Father's love for me. You see, I could worship Jesus. I could pray to Jesus. I had communion with the Holy Spirit, but when it came to praying like Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, which art in heaven, I had no connection or relationship with the Father because my heart had been closed down as a son. And you know, I believe this, there has been, there has been a dearth of fathers in the body of Christ. People are crying out, my father, my father. People in ministry are saying, I feel like I'm lost. I need, I need a father to mentor me. I need a father to, but let me tell you, at times God sends us fathers in the faith, but because we're closed down and we closed off our own hearts to our relationship to our parents, we can't relate even when God brings them to us. There is a blockage that exists within our hearts to relate to Father, Abba, Daddy, God as God desires to. And I'm here this morning. I'm here this morning along with the prayer ministry team to pray the Father's love experientially into your heart and into your life today. And friends, let me tell you, sometimes it gets a bit messy. There's always tears that flow. There's often deep resentments and there's often issues of unforgiveness that are buried deep within our psyche because we've closed our hearts off from being sons and daughters to our Father and we can't access the Father's love. So how on earth are we going to be the answer to the world if we don't carry the Father's love deep within us? And God wants us to break through on that as I come in for a landing this morning. I want your heart's just to be open right now to the Spirit of God. And here's the answer. You guys, you're hanging in there with me for a moment? Let me just take five more minutes. I want you to imagine with me On the day that Adam was made By his father The Bible says He was formed from the dust of the earth Amen And that when God Breathed the breath of life Into him When Adam opened his eyes I want you to imagine what that would have been like The first Born son As he opened his eyes He's looking into pure Liquid love golden, liquid, formed all around his life as he's, as he's born into a world that's been made and perfected by our Heavenly Father just for him and the first daughter Eve, Adam and Eve. And they're in the Garden of Eden where God has made it just such a delight. And daily they are connecting with the Father. Friends, this environment can only be described by one word, perfection, perfection. Perfection. What could possibly go wrong in such a perfect environment? Let me tell you what the root cause of a fatherless generation has been, at, that, at that, what is it, right at the root cause of it all. What could go wrong? A lying, stealing, thieving, deceptive spirit slid across the garden floor one day and whispered into the heart of Adam and Eve, did God really say? And placed doubt in their minds for the first time because he knew this, friends, and here is where the cause of all this happens. And I want you to listen very, very carefully because described in the problem and the root cause of this, there is also an answer for your life today. Satan came into the garden and he knew this one thing. The best way to wreck the human race was to disconnect sons and daughters from the relationship that they had with their father and therefore deception and sin entered into the human race and Adam and Eve were separated from their father's love. Listen to this. They were thrown out of the place that God designed for them. They became homeless like an orphan Because the very first orphan knew exactly what he was doing. When Lucifer, bright morning star, the most created and beautiful angel that God had ever made, rebelled against his own father and closed his heart from Father God and said the five wills of Isaiah 12 to 14, I will ascend and be like the most high God. Lucifer closed his heart off from being, from God being his father. And right there and then, he was cast down to the regions of the earth, made homeless, and the first orphan spirit in the world was born over Satan's life. And let me tell you how he controls the human race. He starves the human race from the love of a true father. And as a result of that, we hurt. As a result of that, we destroy one another. As a result of that, things happen within our lives because we are empty and void of the true love of a father because we have been orphaned. And we don't know what's an orphan. An orphan is someone who's separated from the love of a father. And an orphan spirit begins to bind us so that we can no longer sense and experience what God made for Adam and Eve in that garden. And from that point on friends we have been at war within ourselves we have been at war with one another we have given up on people too early and I want to tell you if I hadn't discovered this in my own life a couple of years ago, I'm going to finish with this story a few years ago now one of my sons ended up in a lot of trouble and I'd raised him man, scripture memory Bible church meetings, loved him as much as I could love him, did everything I possibly knew how to love him. And he rebelled and he turned away and he began to get involved in stuff. And he went down the same track that I went down as a young man. And I couldn't believe it. I saw it unfolding in my eyes. And then he got into trouble with the law. Do you know what it's like to be a pastor where police cars are coming to your house every day? It's not very nice, eh? I want to tell you what happened to me with me and my son. So many times I wanted to give up on him. He'd get into trouble again and I want to give up on him. And then one night, we had another incident, two o'clock in the morning, and he was bailed to my house. That means he has to stay at my house. And he wasn't staying at my house. And another incident fled up. And I can remember what happened. I completely broke down. I had no human resource left in me to cope with my situation. I needed something more. And I broke down completely. And after I broke down completely, I felt this incredible love that couldn't be produced by anyone except supernatural Father God. And he filled my heart again so I could go again And so I could love my son again. So I wouldn't give up on people. So that I could keep going back and I experienced it with my own flesh and blood. As that orphan spirit tried to come in and disconnect me again from the father. Because of what was happening with my own flesh and blood. And I'm here to tell you today that there is hope for your life. There is hope for father's love coming into your life. No matter what your father has done to you. There is a father waiting for you today. To pour out his love. To pour out his life into you. To fill that empty void that's within many hearts that are sitting in the pews because they've never, ever been able to open their hearts to Father God because they closed their hearts many years ago to their earthly father. Could we stand, please, church? Father, I'm so rough at times with what you give for me to share. And right now i I release the gentle whisper of Father's voice into your congregation Lord. I bind every demon of hatred, resentment, and unforgiveness through the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, every wounded spirit, Proverbs says a wounded spirit, who can bear under the weight of it? And this morning, Lord, hearts that have been wounded, hearts that have been hurt, hearts that have been closed down to your love because of our earthly experience. I'm praying even now by the Spirit, Lord, begin to sweep this place from the back to the front. that, Lord, we would open our hearts to you in a new way this morning. That as the Father has loved you, so we will be able to love others. Not with a religious mantra, but with a force from heaven that is so beautiful and compelling that never gives up on people that goes the second and third and fourth mile that is able to bring exceedingly abundant life into our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, would you begin to move and stir our hearts even now? Church, I sense this morning God is looking for a response and you he has a well that never runs dry this morning that's waiting to wash you that's waiting to get rid of the toxic poisons of the past the resentments that you've tried to suppress and push down Today, the Father's love is waiting to be received. Who will come? Who will come this morning? Who wants His love this morning? Who wants to receive that this morning? I want you to come out of your seat wherever you are. And I want you to be strong and very courageous today. I want you to open your heart to the Spirit's ministry today. I want you to get ready to receive something. And I want you to get ready for the power of it to overwhelm your soul today. Because it's love. There's some broken and hurting people today. And if you'll get real with your Father. He's going to get real with you. Oh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, I release the flow of your life into this place. Every wall, Lord, that has been built, that has been erected out of hurt, that we have made that has separated us from your love today. Father, we ask you now to dismantle it piece by piece. Begin to bring down every wall of division. Lord, that would restrict the flow of your love operating in our hearts. Help us even supernaturally now to surrender and offer forgiveness. And Lord, even now, we, Lord, those hearts that we've closed over many years toward our earthly father, Lord, we repent of that. This morning, cause it's closed us off in a measure from you, and we open our hearts to you this morning, Father God. And we say, here we are, your sons and daughters. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.